Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, everybody, to your Friday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. And when you get your Friday edition, that means you're going to get Mr. John Colosimo. Welcome in, John. What's happening? How's your night going, my friend? Uh, pretty good, man. You know, uh, another week in the books. Uh, one more day left. So it uh, feels good to be, you know, we'll, the listeners will hear it's Friday morning, but for us it's uh, Thursday night. So, Indeed. We... Uh... We just got. I was just texting you. We were trying to get together, pulling together. You were. Were you watching a little, uh, little Queen action? Is that what was going on? <laughs> I was uh, this this last weekend for whatever reason. Um, I, you know, the wife and I had uh, the rare opportunity to have a few hours off, so uh, we watched Queen Live Aid, nineteen eighty five, and that was. Uh, pretty awesome i don't think she'd seen it before and you know i've seen it countless times because it's widely considered one of the best performances of all time for a rock band so uh, it was pretty cool to kind of show somebody that for the first time so i had um and you and i have talked about a little bit about this stuff but like i had not heard of live aid until the movie so like i mean i've liked queen i i've i've known queen songs i mean you can't grow up and not know champion we are champions and we will rock you those songs are you know even youngster growing up with sports like you know you just kind of know them so i had known queen i'd known about it i'd known freddie mercury's name i had a vivid memory okay a vivid memory of being camping at mohican campground okay we used to go there we used to go there with my my family that lived in lexington we'd meet them we'd go there all the time we're leaving the fireworks on the fourth of july and we're in the car and i never heard this song called bohemian rhapsody i'd never heard it never heard it everyone else knew it i had no clue so i'm a little dude like nine ten years old in the front seat and it hits the part where it rocks like the the straight up drop the beat drop <laughs> and everybody's doing the headbanger and i'm like what is going on and it's like it's like a moment i'll never forget I, it's the first time i heard this song that is crazy uh so unique and like i just have a vivid memory of of uh of the everybody just going crazy to that point in the song and then it's like uh you know the rest of my growing up I, I, queen didn't for me until R- Rami Malek's performance in the movie, I didn't really deep dive. So, like, I'd heard of Live Aid, but I didn't know what the hell it was. The U- the YouTube version is really good that's out there. Like, they've done a really good job. I'm sure – I don't know if you guys watched it via YouTube. Oh, but yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, that's a great version of it and um, special stuff. I mean, the movie helps a guy like me who didn't, you know, didn't know about a bunch about their story. And the movie's not perfect based if you listen – if you watch the movie and – some of the stuff that happened, it's not perfect, but there's such a story to tell that it's hard to fit. <laughs> you know, it's hard to fit Freddie Mercury's story into two and a half hours yeah, no or kidding. whatever. So they did a good, I think they did a good job. I think Remy did a good job with it. I thought, I thought, you know, he won awards and I know those awards were kind of controversial because people didn't feel as crazy about it as others, but I thought they did right by him and it brought the music back full circle. It introduced me to a bunch of songs of theirs that I hadn't even heard. And it just made you forget uh, for those like me who forgot or didn't even know like how talented that dude was right and how narrowly he missed the window to just rectify a problem that everybody got fixed and he would still be with us you know it's crazy oh absolutely you know like for me 
Um, I, you know, I think my dad was always into it. So he had like a Queen's Greatest Hits and he was always, he was a drummer in a band when mm-hmm. I was growing up. Mm-hmm. My name is John Henry Colosimo. That is because <laughs> um, John Henry Bonham was the drummer for Led Zeppelin. So that's who I was named after. So, uh, but so he was always into introducing music. So uh, I know I heard some of that then. And I remember way early days, like uh, playing a record, like legit vinyl, um, when my parents were, I, I don't even know where they were because I was super young. But I remember playing uh, some Queen on my aunt's record player, you know, and listening to. Uh, some of their hits there. And then, you know, I think Wayne's World came out when I was, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 12, something like that. I'm a little older than you, I know. Um, But, you know, they highlighted Bohemian Rhapsody. By the way, like one of the funnier stories that I I listened to the other day was that Mike Myers wanted Bohemian Rhapsody for that car scene in Wayne's World. The studios wanted some kind of Guns N' Roses song. And Myers was like, I'm not even going to do this movie if you don't do Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> it's <laughs> ironic that he got the role in the movie, too, Mike did, as uh, yeah. the non-believer. I can't remember the name of that producer, but they eventually dumped him or whatever he was. I don't know if he was oh, a producer right. or something, but yeah. yeah. God, I don't know why I can't remember his name. Uh, Rob, Rob something. Uh, shoot. I can't remember right. either. But yeah, that was the, the yeah. key role where he kind of doubted a lot of their angles, especially on... Uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody angle of that song and the pitch. and all. So it's kind of funny, I, kind of full circle I, ironic there. And I think what's interesting, too, is that you have, like, I think that was a huge resurgence for Queen there in, like, yeah, 92 or something like that because of a movie. And now here, you know, whatever, 20 years later, they do Bohemian Rhapsody and a whole new generation gets to um, – to listen to to that and uh, wants to learn a little bit more. So it's pretty cool. Like movies are a big deal. I think in terms of songs, there's a ton of songs that I've learned through movies. Um, Before we move on, like, let me ask you one question. All right. What Mm -hmm. currently, currently, because I know, you know, tastes change over time. What currently is your favorite uh, queen song? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's, Bohemian's so popular, you know, uh, that it's that it's hard to 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 not pick it. But it's so good too, so it's not like it's corny in you know, in, in the fact that, that you could pick that. And it's like that that song is still unique today. As music has gotten people could argue that music's gotten worse or better, or whatever, but people take more risks, I would say, at least, right? Like yeah. that that song was such a risk. But I think in terms of like a a song that just makes me it's not their most popular but it's a live aid song too radio gaga i just kind of like it i don't know why especially the that version it was so good so good man i just every time and you know there's so under pressure and there's just the you know so many killer queen and all of them there's there's a ton of them and i'm not some queen aficionado or anything but if we're on the road and driving and and I go through a whole bunch. I have a wide taste of music, like just all over the map, man. And like, you know, we are, we're go- like, here's an example. We're going to Justin Bieber in May. Okay. Let me take that back <laughs> at the end of this month uh, for, for my birthday. Ironically, we're going to Pittsburgh and we're going to John Mayer because Kelby, my wife loves John Mayer. She's crazy. We, she's been to so many John Mayer concerts and I'm, I can appreciate John Mayer as a talented dude, but I just kind of am like, God dang, I just kind of sit there and he's got some that are fine to me, but like, 
I get it. So, but anyway, we're doing John Mayer and then we're going to Justin Bieber who comes to Columbus like May, I think. I like Bieber a lot. I like his, a lot of his recent stuff. And then we're doing the Lumineers in Cincinnati in June. So like, I'm a little, a little all over the board with this stuff. So like, I'm not some, you, I, I, let me put it this way. We've had, I did, maybe we mentioned this last Friday, but if somebody came up to you and said, okay, you can like big things in, in the human, in the human world, right? You can, you can lose music for the rest of your life or i don't know what what are some other like things of that nature you no more movies oh, no more question. movies yeah. or, or 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 uh tv shows or or you lose the ability to taste food for the rest of it we, we went down the food alley think, you know how i, I feel about food it goes like for a year so that you don't yeah. have to give it up the rest of your life but yeah it was some it was something like i've seen this question posed in a, in a quality way where like it's hard to pick and but anytime music is like I would just, I'm not, I'm okay without music. You know, like, okay, you can, you can have, never have sports in your life again, or, you know, never can hear music the rest of your life. I mean, come on, you know, for me, it's, I like music. I, I definitely am not like, God, turn that down type of person. But like, <laughs> you know, I'm not some, uh, I'm not some deep diver, uh, super appreciative. But when good talent, like, you know, Queen or Finn, some of the best ever live types, you know, I, I appreciate that stuff too. So Queen is always one that, comes on the radio for us. When I say Radio Gaga, that answer took forever. What's yours? Uh, you know, like currently speaking, I think it might be Don't Stop Me Now. Mm. And okay. it, it was never, you know, like as I grew up, it was, um, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody or Killer Queen uh, for sure. Um, and I don't know. There's something about, you know, what's wild about it, what brought it back was uh, my son has been into Animal Crackers. I don't know if you've watched this movie yet on mm-hmm. Netflix. Yeah, but they have uh, Don't Stop Me Now on there. And it just kind of like, that's what. So it's an Animal to... Cracker movie with like they're singing? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, so it's Animal Crackers is the movie. Like, uh, the, the, you know, and uh, what's his name from The Office is in it? Um, Rain, whatever. Rain? Michael. Michael. Oh, no. And not Michael. Um, you know, the main uh, kind of character. Steve Carell? Um, no, not Steve Carell, but uh, the next main character. Jesus, I can't uh, remember his dude, name. Who, who did the? He just recently present. What's his name? Oh gosh! Hold on, we got a computer in front of me, guys. Val, do you know this name? John Krasinski. Yeah. John Rain Krasinski. John Krasinski. Rain Wilson was Dwight. Yeah. Jim Halpert. John know. Krasinski. Yeah. Is that John who Krasinski. was? Yeah. So he's yeah. in it. I was um, admittedly a Parks and Rec over Office guy, so I didn't. I'm oh, not the best 100%. one. Not the um, best on that. Yeah, 100% Parks and Rec over there. Um, but so he's in it. Danny DeVito is in it. Um, the guy who plays Mag- Magneto is in it. Okay. Animal um, check, movie. Yeah, check it out. It's on Netflix. And they have Don't Stop Me Now. And that has just led me into a queen hole. Where I was revisiting Live Aid oh, and like all John, that kind of stuff. Isn't John married to Emily Blunt? Yes. Yeah. So, like, God, it's got Sylvester Stallone and Ian McKellen. Yeah. That's a wild cast. Yeah, I'm going to check that out because I could use some yeah. different songs in my life compared to uh, Paw Patrol. And uh, we watch Blaze and the Monster Machines, big into that. Uh, the only, so, the only other part of that, right, is um, they get, yeah, actually led me to um, these reaction videos and i'll make this quick but uh the cool thing about reaction videos and when it comes to queen is they're so all over the place even within the songs um that it 
messes with people's heads. So it's been a fun time watching people like watch Bohemian Rhapsody for the first time or having a good time or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's all I got for that. All right. Well, that that concludes our random conversation <laughs> section of the of the Fridays. I love these. We're going to do like 10 minutes of just What's going on? Where are you in your life? What uh, what's happening? And it can lead us it. off in the weeds. We got into a food discussion last week's uh, episode and delved into music today. And who knows where, ne- where next week we'll go? So let's shift to Super Bowl. Um, I talked with I I interviewed earlier today Jake Lisko who covers the Bengals uh, for Locked On on their side, and I'll air that this weekend for folks. But here's a fun stat I wanted to start with. First of all, both of us got it right. We're in the realm of being right. I said 28-17 Rams. You said something similar. I think you said something like 24-20. Did you get really close? I, can't um, I thought I said 27-20. Okay. Yeah, we're, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Worked out the way we thought it would. The Rams, I thought, were a couple a couple big plays kind of swings. It's what, that's what also Cincinnati's been all year, which is these these explosives, which I talk about all the time, creating explosives, and that's what they do. And you get lucky, and you don't get a flag thrown on that T. Higgins touchdown, and all of a sudden you're <laughs> making Stafford play catch-up ball with you know with uh, is not an offense yeah, like built. Three to... minutes left, you know. Like, yeah. That's what I didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. You know, if you'd have asked me, I would not have said that the Rams would have had to come back in the last two minutes to to win the game. Totally. Um, but. It was a great uh, cap to a pretty wild playoff. So I think a historic one Yeah. in, in terms of uh, watchability and that kind of thing. I would agree. I would agree. Some really great game. Not that I thought the Super Bowl was like wildly entertaining. It almost felt yeah, like I said this earlier. Ones. Yeah, I said it earlier to Steve this week where I was like, it's kind of felt like the Rams Patriots where it was like, yeah, it's close, right? But like, it's kind of not a greatly entertaining game. But it, yeah. what did you think of the Rock the at the beginning? What 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 did you, what did you did you see that? Uh, I did. It felt a little. Uh, it felt too far to the to the like pro wrestling. Not that Rock is not associated with. I, I get, but it felt like it just didn't belong. And I love the Rock. Like I love. Yeah, him. yeah. I think that's that's the key, right? Like, who doesn't like the Rock? And for some reason, it felt like I don't know, like maybe a little forced or something, uh, which is wild because I mean, the Rock is pretty ubiquitous uh yeah, yeah. might be the right word I, uh, I mean who doesn't like him you know so it was a little weird in that sense and it went long and i thought that the, the like the teams were on the field ready for the kickoff and the kick return and they were just like all right this is taking forever like what's you going know what on? now that you bring it up i thought the weirdest thing about it was that he announced the other team i felt like they should have brought somebody else after he after he brought on la yeah, that made sense. And then when he then you know hyped up the you know uh, the Bengals, I'm like, okay, that you know they should have had their own hype guy. It just was a really weird choice. I don't think it was like I, I for as far as testing out like what does this feel like. I didn't hate it, but it didn't work. So I hope they don't. I hope they don't do that again because it really, it really didn't, it didn't work. Um, and that's Fair about enough. the only guy that it could have worked with. I think like, you're not going to bring no out, right. I don't know who exactly. else you would bring out to do that and get, get it to work. So Good point. it didn't work with him. So back to the point of the game, we've kind of, I've kind of talked to a couple of different people about the game. So I'm not so really worried about that. I just want to throw a stat at you and have a conversation build around it. And I'm talking again, I'm talking to Jake about it this weekend too. Cause I know what Jake's going to say. Jake's a Bengals guy. He covers the Bengals. They love Joe. I love Joe. I think Joe is going to have a great career. Unfortunately, we'll have to watch it up close and personal. And if you gave me a chance to say, 
uh, crazy odds, and I'm talking crazy low odds. Like you could say, well, I don't know, I'm not a gambling man here, but if you said, uh, uh, will Joe Burrow return to the Super Bowl the rest of his career? I think almost everybody would take even the worst of odds that say he will, right? Like he's sure. 25. He's 25, and and I, I made this point to Jake too about how I think he's just going to keep getting better because he's able to thrive under the hardest conditions for the most part in terms of pre-throw. Like his conditions pre-getting the ball out of his hand are miserable. And I, I think that that is good exposure. And if they get better up front, just imagine how much better he can get with time to actually see the backside dig, you know, like find those, mm-hmm. find those answers. So this is the fun stat that was, was thrown at me. And this is each of the last 16. So the last, not that it's not been done before, but these are the last 16 guys to make a debut in a Super Bowl and lose that debut Super Bowl. None of them have made it back to another Jimmy Garoppolo. Very close. Could have been in this one. Very, you know, a couple things here and there. San Francisco's in. But I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is also doing what Joe Burrow did in terms of carrying a team. So um, Jimmy's then uh, Jared, Jared Goff. We don't, I don't I have a hard time envisioning Jared ever getting back. Uh, Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's window is gone. Now, hey, he could have another couple good years in him and, and, and sling it. He was con- pretty solid last year. So never say never. But Matt Ryan has not been back uh, for, after his MVP year. Cam Newton's MVP year, he's not been back. Colin Kaepernick. Uh, went and has never been back, obviously. Uh, then we get some weird names on this list, too, man. Rex Grossman never went back. <laughs> Matt Hasselbeck never went back. Donovan McNabb, a little surprising that he never got back. Uh, former Cleveland Brown Jake DeLome never got back. Rich Gannon never got back. Kerry Collins, Steve McNair, rest in peace. Uh, boy, I loved watching Steve McNair as a youngster, man. God, he was fun. Um, yeah, if we could have pulled him in for his early years. Seriously. You know. uh, Chris Chandler never went back. Drew Bledsoe. Uh, Neil O'Donnell and Stan Humphreys from the Chargers, uh, 94 team after they let, got the doors blown off by four touchdowns. Was that, did he throw six touchdowns, uh, Steve Young? <laughs> or was it four? Uh, I think no, it was no, six. No. Uh, I think it was five. I, okay, I right in the middle? Really Hold on. 90, Hold on. 94, right? I'm talking the 1994 Super Bowl. 94 is one of the greatest quarterback seasons of all time. Hold on. It was the 95 I, Super Bowl, 94 season. So that's when yes. they beat the Chargers. They beat the brakes yeah. off of them. And moment of truth. Are you going to change your opinion or do you think no, five is I'm going right? to go five. It is Steve Young. Can I just see the stats? Hold on. This is the anticipation's mounting. <laughs> so here we go. Pro football reference. He threw, oh, John, he threw six touchdowns. God dang it. 24 of 36, <laughs> 325, six touchdowns. I'm feeling wow. good. How about this? Jerry Rice. At that time, Jerry Rice already passed his prime, but still kind of in his prime. 10 for a buck 49, three touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. We're going to do this real quick. We, You and I have to eventually talk about the guys that got into the Pro Bowl because that's banana. There's some bananas things there. But so Jerry starts playing in 85. He's 10 years deep. He's 33 years old. He's 33 years old in 1995. He goes for 122 catches, 1,848 yards, and 15 touchdowns. What? This the dude he, is bananas, man. When did he tear his uh, his ACL? Because ninety seven. Like, so like, he played. He's like he the played golden two. like child for coming back because he back like six months later yeah. and yeah, dude, have he, one of the best seasons of his career. He had he had a a he played in one two games in ninety seven after being. I'm talking like he played in sixteen games. Did 87 have a shortened season, or did he only play 12? Because that's the only – he played 12 and started 12. I think that was shortened. I think that is the 
Jordan. Okay. Well, he played every game, like every game and started every game until 97. And then boom, he, he gets hurt and he misses that whole year, essentially uh, 14 games of the regular season. Then the next 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, and 41, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, and plays in 17 <laughs> games between two teams in 2004, which means that he didn't get a bye week at 42 and played in every single game because he, he was traded. He 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 went for over a thousand yards three more times that year back the first year back ninety ninety eight at thirty six he goes for eighty two of a thousand one hundred and fifty seven and nine touchdowns I just don't think we we pro, I mean I know Jerry Rice is the greatest ever but we try to like you know my generation loved Terrell Owens and we loved uh, Calvin John dude dude that guy is a unicorn uh, no okay athlete. all right Jerry was fantastic. There's, there's no question. Um, I, I mean, how, how historically then do you put Cooper Cups? Because this is a pretty wild season. It is. Right? Let, me, let me look it up here. Hold on. I need to know exactly what he went for. He getting like, I think, like I think 1,947 Eric... yards, but he got an extra game and his yards per game. So if you took out a buck 14, he's still going for 1,800 yards. I feel like Eric he got 191 uh, Eager... targets. Yeah. Oh. That's insane. That's got to be a record. Uh, Eric Eager, I, think... I, I feel like he put out a stat that said that like it was like uh, Rice's 87 and 88 seasons combined. So Calvin Johnson is what I thought. I thought I'd seen somebody get into the 200 in targets. Calvin Johnson had, in 2012, 100, 204 targets, 122 catches, 1,964 yards, and... Only only five touchdowns though, so you know obviously a crazy season uh, in 2012. But I mean, Cup went for 145 catches and less targets, right? He went for obviously the 50. It was a historic season. I mean, it's really like good. how do you like people? People were ready to put uh, what's his name um, from the Patriots. Um, help me out here. Um, which, uh, which era? Like Welker or? No, not Edelman. Welker. Uh, Edelman. Yeah. They were ready to, because of recency bias, they were, first of all, ready to say that uh, Welker, or he was better than Welker, which I vehemently disagree with. Um, but um, they he had that one crazy um, playoff run. I think that Cooper Cup just absolutely murdered any kind of a, an argument that you might have had for... Um, for him, you know, and, and that's to me who thinks that uh, Welker was better than him anyway. So it's an interesting kind of thing because they're all kind of same mold people, but, but Cooper cup is a damn good receiver. Um, I just don't know how to place him. You know, that's always the tough things about these slot guys, right? Like how do you, how do you place them? Is it fair to even compare them to like the X's and Z's? I don't know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The two-way go stuff is really a changer. You know, like, people don't talk about that enough. If you're covering somebody or you're an outside receiver you really lose the ability to break outside for difference-making plays. Yeah, I know you can catch a comeback, you can catch a speed out, you can catch a blaze out where you sell inside and get back out, but like, if you're inside, you have genuinely two threatening ways to go, and that does Absolutely. matter. It really and does matter. that's why it's so hard to play that cornerback position, right? That's what makes nickel so hard to play on the other side. Is That's the other side of the coin. You know, the, oh, yeah, you have course. plenty of opportunities as a slot guy, um, that's exactly what makes it so difficult to defend on the defensive side for so, a nickelback. I wanted to look up Cup. Um, he spells Cooper traditional, right? But it's a K last there it is, yeah. Okay, so he – I wanted to look at how many slot snaps he had compared to outside. So he had a pretty decent number of outside. He got outside 447 times, but he had 827. So he's 2-1 to one outside to inside. I'm not sure, like, what, what are some of Edelman's – Edelman's best seasons. I don't think Edelman even ever threatened outside more than 200 in a single season. So, like, okay, go back no. to Edelman's, like, 2017. Um, did he get hurt in 17? Why does he not have any data? Okay, I feel it like it was what – It's yeah. is it the Atlanta year? Is that, like, the, the one where everybody was – 2018, he went for 512 in the slot yeah. and 454 out wide. 2016, hmm. he must have been hurt in 17. He was 50-50 in 2016. Five actually That's more surprising. more outside uh, snaps five sixty seven than five oh five in the slot. So I think that question's good. That's a question like we seem to um, separate a lot of different positions. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, tight ends. We uh, I, I'm not sure we do a good enough job at that where we separate that uh, that position uh, well enough that it that it's like the greatest. I don't hear many people say that's the greatest slot receiver I've ever seen. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't hear yeah. that very often. Everybody gets lumped in as a wide receiver. You'll hear people say, that's the greatest dual threat quarterback. Like Steve Young gets tossed into that conversation and, and Vic and some of those guys, but you don't hear it that way. Or like, that's the greatest uh, scat back or whatever, you know, like the, <laughs> the Eric Metcalfs of the world, you know, that, yeah. that guy who goes dual For threat, sure. dual threat running back. Marshall Falk. McCaffrey. Yeah. Marshall Falk. Um, you know, and you'll 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 kind of start to hear the greatest, not really greatest yet, but we do at least a good job of data tracking slot coverage players. I think it's better than it has. I feel like safety gets moved around a little bit. Like I the think... best center field safety. Like I feel like people say, rightfully so, Ed Reed's the best free safety. Troy Polamalu is the best strong safety, right? Or yeah, you, you could sure. go with others. You could you could throw others in there, but yeah, no, I wouldn't. So. Go. <laughs> um, no, no, I really. 
I wouldn't throw him in any either. Let, hold on, let's circle back though. Do you think Joe goes back to Super Bowl? Like, does he break this data? Uh, okay, all right. Because Lisko again, real quick. Lisko is convinced, and I knew he would be like kind of scoffing at that as any person who covers slash is a fan of their team they cover they're going to be like yeah well of course but it maybe it's not as locky as we think it is no i don't think it is all right let me give you the case for it all right um i think what's lost in like the joe love for the season and look joe was a lot of fun to watch this season but um you know if we take it back to the beginning of the season, one of the things that was a big knock on Joe was um, long inaccuracy mm-hmm. on the deep passing. I don't actually think watching him, you know, I, I'm, the the best thing about this off season is here's where we get like all the people compiling the data. I love reading the studies. I love like reading the things, uh, you know, what did we learn about this season? You know, all that kind of stuff. But my own experience watching Joe is that um, a lot of his change in the long game was based on chase. And so I'm not sure that I think any differently from, you know, I think he's fantastic from intermediate to short to, you know, um, you know, line of scrimmage. I think processing everything, his accuracy, fantastic. And you can get a long way from that. Mm -hmm. But I, I think a lot of his, uh, high mark, um, you know, games. And part of the reason why they did what they did was because of Chase. And uh, I saw an awful lot of hucks that Chase made magic with. Uh, so I'm not sure that I feel differently about Joe's long game that I did at the beginning of the season. So, you know, in a scenario where, uh, you know, Chase goes down, or maybe they don't re-sign him, or, you know, you don't, you have no idea what's going to happen with Chase's career. Um, and then you look at the history of the league, where obviously you thought Dan Marino was going to go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, of Obviously. Of course. Right? But he didn't. Yeah. So uh, I would not, I would not bet on the field, necessarily, if we're saying, are you, is he going to go back, or are you going to take the field? I don't think I'd take the field, but I will say that amongst the the Joe hype, and I really think he's a very, very good quarterback and will be for a long time, I think what's getting a little bit lost is I'm not sure that he actually fixed any of those long, um, you know, um, deep passing issues. Yeah. Now, we'll see. I, I will um, I will love to see some of the studies. I, you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, PFF. Uh, quarterback annual it's so amazing to me a lot of guys who subscribe to pff don't even know that the annual is a thing one of the best pieces of information they let out is the pff qb annual Um, so i will be very interested to see how they rank him versus what my sunday viewing was because obviously uh we don't break down joe every week right so um, i don't have anywhere near the kind of um experience and uh, viewing that we do with Baker or, you know, something like that. So I'll be very interested to see how PFF ranks his deep passing. To me, I'm not sure he fixed that. I think Chase fixed that. So to me, that kind of creates a little bit of a hole there where a lot of people think that, you know, OFC, he's going to, you know, get back there. And I'm not so sure. Um, and you just don't know how, you know, uh, it was the same thing that you said last, last year, right? 
How did you feel when we lost to the Kansas City um, Chiefs? I think like the big thing that I'm focusing on here is how you talk about how these chances come along and you miss them. You know what I mean? And you don't know that they're going to come back. You know, we, we had every opportunity to get past Patrick Mahomes that year and get back in. You know, there were a lot of things that fell. The You know, like uh, most people still think that the Bills were the best AFC team. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think you know, the Bills so, beat the absolute shit out of the Bengals. I really do. Yeah. I, I really so do that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. so like I just you, you can't rely on that. Absolutely. He'll have a ton of chances. Um, however, how do you feel about the coach? How do you feel about the general manager? How do you feel about the um, how do you feel about the organization as a whole? I think everything right now is golden, and everybody is forgetting all the things that they thought about the Bengals, from coaching staff to ownership, that they thought twelve months ago. And uh, so I think it would be a mistake to let this season paper over all that and pretend that all of that is gone because it's not. So. Um, I think he'll have every opportunity, but that's my case for it's a little silly to answer with a snap yes. Yeah, I can see both sides of the coin. Kind of what I said earlier about about how the NFL's been harder for Joe than now the wide receivers have helped. You're making an absolute correct statement about Jamar Chase, and I thought T. Higgins got a lot better as the year wore on, finally kind of coming into his own. But I have thought too about the flip side of the of the line play, where the NFL can has been hard, right? His they've been terrible protection, and it's forced Joe to really become a pocket manipulator, sure. a pocket mover. And uh, you're right, but there are types of throws he still doesn't make. Uh, he relies heavily on up the sideline shot plays. Now again, you lose Jamar Chase for eight games in a season, what happens, right? Like you yeah. got to think about every single season is its own thing. Yes, there are carryover features. Like yes, there are obviously parts of this thing that go from season to season and you carry over some core guys, but every season is its own unique like animal. And it with injuries that happen so frequently, um, roster turnover because of the cap and the middle the middle uh tier or whatever they call it, the middle class of the NFL is is so strange compared to what it mm-hmm. used to be. It's just it's just like if you think it's going to happen, you know, maybe it, uh, and again, I, I hate to keep referencing an earlier conversation that I'm going to post later, but something like 25 coaches have been all there is the, is the uh, number of coaches that have won a Super Bowl, something like that. I think is what Jake said. There's only been 25 different coaches, or I think that's what he said, or there was an angle like it where it's like not as many guys make it there as you think they do. And to, on, on a, on a continual basis, like it, we've been spoiled by, Mahomes going several times and Brady doing what Brady, Brady's done. But Brady think about think about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, the it is. Aaron Rodgers is the example. They go to a Super Bowl and win it. And what was Aaron at the time? 28, 27? Yeah. He was still <laughs> relatively young and he was dominating. A decade ago. And he's never been back. And it, yeah. that's like, you don't know. The, the, the Bengals struck gold on their middle tier and lower tier free agency guys. Yes. They struck absolute I mean. gold. And you don't know. If that's going to continue, so again, and, they have and, a great chance. I'm not trying to sit here like you're not either, trying to say like, you know, the Bengals are are never going to figure it out again. Well, they got the, the the important pieces to do it, but it's just kind of like if you're going to wager money, looking at odds, it's probably not as locky as you think it is. No, and Jake, like to your point, you know, concerning the Browns and uh, getting past the you know Patrick Mahomes last year, uh, the Bengals were winning this game with how many seconds left? Yeah, I don't. How many was, seconds was, left were they winning the Super Bowl? Thirty seconds. 
uh, when that seconds. no that that throw to put the Rams up they get like a minute and twenty or something like that was it yeah there was there still wasn't oh, much time they were there you're I'm right sorry. it's okay they're winning it with like, what ninety seconds ninety ninety seconds or less of 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 uh, game left and they're up for a good how portion do, how do you know that's just not going to be there Indians ninety seven you know that's a great you point. know yeah. that's uh, you know you were winning the Super Bowl with. You know, less than 120 seconds left. Yeah. Francisco, you know? Lind- they got Lindor, they got uh, they got uh, <laughs> all of them, right? They're all the Jose Ramirez and Kluber, and they'll go back. Don't worry, no nah, man. Or think about the the first LeBron run. They go in yeah. 07, right? LeBron's sure. super young. They got a young dude who's a peak never of, go again. Never go again. Not they can't they can't back. get back until he they until he leaves and comes back. It's just uh, yeah. it's just, <laughs> fucking sports are weird, man. Let's close this way. I got a good one to, to finish us off with here with a with with an angle that is uh, not my own, and I want to give credit to Marcus Harvey. I think is his name on Twitter. Marcus, uh, well, probably real life too. I think that's his name. Um, so if Marcus <laughs> is listening, shout out. You have brought up a point that has made me think. I'm not with you there yet, but it made me think. His point was the Browns should not be as big a lock at wide receiver as we think they should, as we think they are uh, in this draft. General consensus, myself included, is I need more explosive players, right? I need more explosive dudes. I need more uh, guys in all positions. Running back, I think there's explosive players there that can create what I call an explosive, create an explosive play. I think uh, tight end has one, uh, a little ceiling doubt with Njoku. We'll see if they keep him. But nobody at wide receiver that is just a consistent explosive threat, and they need to, to find those guys. But the point he was making was, you know, like with Mayfield – coming back and you know who Mayfield is at this point. Yeah. The accuracy's set to, to, to bounce back. Can't be as bad. He's going to have healthier shoulders and uh, that'll matter. And the, the accuracy is going to be better than this year, but the, the still the traits, right? The chaos, uh, the, mm-hmm. the data that's put in, been put out about Mayfield this week about how he creates his own pressure. That's no secret. Like he's just not a gifted pocket guy. He's not comfortable in chaos. And uh, maybe the out of pocket stuff comes back. We'll see. But He's just, uh, he's just, he is who he is. And there's a ceiling to what Baker can do. And, and again, the accuracy could come back and they can get to the stretch of him uh, being a reason they're winning with him. Uh, I, I'm not ruling that out by any stretch. But again, I think I'm comfortable with this, John. And maybe we don't see it perfectly at the same eye level, but I know who he is. So even again, th- there could be a version of Mayfield that is still not really great, but you still extend him, you know, like he's still just yeah. kind of good and you extend him. But nonetheless, his point was hey, stop trying to be the Bengals or trying to be the chiefs or trying to be the bills. You don't have that quarterback. You don't have that quarterback. You don't have those weapons and uh, some of those guys. So why not try to figure out a way to win ugly? Why not tightens it up almost and figure out ways to continue to get better on defense. Right. And we all can sit here. And I think you and I would agree that like the Browns defended the shit out of the Bengals. They really did. And they were the only teams to do it. And they have this, this personnel uh, between JOK and the second level and, maybe potentially Jacob Phillips and miles and, and, and obviously the secondary that's got a bunch of dudes who can cover. And why don't you just try to win ugly, you know, lean on uh, Mayfield doing Garoppolo things, uh, Rams it up almost uh, Rams. And I know the Rams have Cooper cup and there's other elements to this thing, but just kind of win that way. Try not what, try to, to zig to everybody else's zag. Right. So um, it's interesting. It's really interesting because I haven't thought of it with that frame of mind. Like if you're trying to replicate what the bills and the chiefs and the Bengals and some of these others are doing, 
you're really not going to do it. You're just not. And that's just kind of the reality of the quarterback. Again, that doesn't mean he can't do enough to help them win, but he's not those dudes. So we need to have a group consensus of understanding there. So he's not those guys. So why not consider a corner like Stingley or Andrew Booth if they're sitting there? Why not consider consider David Ayabo if he I think it's a soft J there. It could be a little harder than J than I'm saying. David Ajabo from the from from Michigan, if he's there at thirteen and getting the defense to be really good, taking a second or third round wide receiver, continuing to take shots there, sign some middle tier guys, maybe make a trade for Calvin Ridley or make a trade for like a Nelson Aguilar was was Marcus's point. Um, and just and just bank on Baker getting better than he was last year because he was really bad last year. He can obviously get toward the middle at the minimum. At the well, we'll see. He can get toward the middle, get better, um, and then just say, hey, we got to win ugly games with good defense and and better special teams, getting immensely better in the specials, getting better kicker punter in, getting getting better in special teams, and doing it that way as a means to to zig while everybody else again is is zagging about these offenses. Why not try to just set up defense to just be clamps and as best they can? I know the the data, which I'm sure you're going to reference of the sort of um, what is the word capricious is probably the word of of defensive consistency. It's up and down and ebb and flow, and sort right. of sometimes unpredictable, especially secondary. Sure. So, like, I just thought it was an interesting thing, and I wanted your thought on that. If you think that's I'm not there personally, I still just think like I sit here and think like what made me the most frustrated last year. They couldn't generate points. They had no game breakers outside yeah. of running backs. And I have a hard time thinking in a draft with this many perceived talented receivers that they should just pass on them for the sake of getting better defensively. So I don't, I don't, I'm not totally there, but if Marcus gets to listen to this or someone shoots it to him, like, Hey man, shout out for thinking differently. It's an interesting angle. So the floor is yours. Okay. Here's what I think about this. Um, I pay attention quite closely to things that Andrew Barry says. Um, you only get snippets, and a lot of those things are general managers speak. But mm-hmm. when you find those little slivers of uh, things that can give you a little peek into his mind, you got to grab onto that, especially with as little data as we can get. So, uh, how I used to look at the, like, how I personally look at the offseason mm-hmm. is. You know, um, it's a a whole, right? So, like, the draft is not separate from free agency, is not separate from what you're doing with your roster. It's all one big puzzle. Yep. And so, um, however, what I've heard personally from Andrew Barry is not that. Um, What I've heard personally from Andrew Barry is that he views – um, you know, free agency as a short term type thing. Here's here's what you do. So like everybody that's thinking wide receiver, and I'm not saying they're wrong in terms of the draft or anything, mm-hmm. but everybody is thinking, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver, or, you know, offensive score points, all that kind of thing. That's short term thinking. That's the kind of thing that uh, Andrew Barry seems to attack with free agency. Um, but the free agent data is terrible on wide receivers, John. Like, I'm I just going to, I'm going to interrupt you with this real quick, literally 10 seconds. TA, Cleve TA put out a great point the other day about how since 2018 on wide receivers who have signed over 8 million annually per year, only two of them have gone for over a thousand yards. And there's a bunch of names. If you go back and look, it's on his Twitter timeline. Yeah. Uh, shout out to him for coming up with that. But like, so you're thinking like a bunch of middle guys or like, what are you thinking there? Okay. 
So what I'm thinking is not necessarily going out and grabbing a Devontae Adams or something like that. Got it. What I'm saying, like the insight that I feel like I'm getting so far in very obviously very limited time mm-hmm. is what you've got to understand about Andrew Barry is he tells you that he looks at the draft as a long-term proposition. Um, you know, so, you know, that might mean, you know, a wide receiver or whatever it is, but like, he, he does not look at the draft as a uh, as a plug for next year or even maybe the year after type scenario. He, like the draft, from what I've recognized from his comments, it's always this kind of far off look where they are looking not even just like, uh, you know, especially with their high draft picks, they're not even just looking at the first contract, they're looking at second contract type players. And that is how he's always going to view the draft is from this long-term lens. And sometimes that might line up like Jedrick Wills. Obviously, we need a long, uh, NLT, you know, that, uh, you know, that year. But it would be a mistake, I think, to assume that he went into the draft to pick him for that short-term uh, reason. The reason he picked Jedrick Wills is because he thinks he's going to be a 10-year player. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's just like my personal view of where maybe you can get a little confused about what you might do with that, say, first, second, third-round pick. He's really looking long-term, like honestly long-term. And so while uh, Garrett Wilson might fit the bill both ways, right, short and long-term, I think you really got to look at what he's going to do with that first pick from a very long-term perspective. And from that angle, I can see how it might not be a wide receiver. It might be, you know, uh, it might be an edge. It might be, you know, uh, might be a multitude of things, but I can definitely see from what I've heard him say that he's not addressing with the first or second pick, um, our immediate needs in terms of explosiveness and those types of things. I really do think that he's taking a much longer view than most people um, give him credit for or whatever you want to call that. Got it. Got it. Totally, totally agree about, about what Andrew Barry's angle is there. I'm, but I'm going to come at you was last question. Like, do you, where do you, where do you sit personally? Like, do you think that is a good, way to look at it as I'm not saying again, I'm not asking you to predict Andrew Barry's thought process. Cause I think you nailed it. I think we're all in agreement with the way he looks at it. Definitely did not want the Browns to go into the draft. Like we need a wide receiver. And if we don't come out with one, we're screwed. And I don't think they're too smart for that. Right. Like right. they're, they're too smart for that. So I totally with you. And from that angle, that does completely justify not doing the thing that's expected at wide receiver with a draft, with the draft pick there. But from the thinking of what what Marcus is talking about with this angle for why we can't win the way those two do. We can't we they can. I mean, they can score some weeks when they're all right, you know, healthy and all. But like or whatever, they have their full personnel in some form or fashion, whether or not being traded, released or whatever. But like, is that an interesting way to think about it? Could that be a conceivable path to take trying to change the way? You think there, or is that just too like, hey man, this modern NFL, it's no. it's not the best way to think about this thing. I think it's interesting, Jake, but um, I, you know, and I, I understand. I'm just 
answering from my like I don't yeah. want to come off as arrogant about it, but I think that uh, you know all the data says that the offense is what's consistent, and um, I don't I, I I like the zig where you zag, but that's kind of what you know that's kind of what Bill Belichick did this year. You know, like that's what he wanted to do. You know, that's what he did with the three four when uh, there was a bevy of guys that didn't fit into the four three. Um, I don't see that type of opportunity here. So like, I feel like people like look back and they think about that. Like that's a, that's a great place to look when you talk about uh market inefficiency, right? Mm-hmm. There was a bevy of players that didn't fit into a fourth. So they created the, the not created, but uh, you know, they invested in the three, four and uh, profited from that. I don't see that as being a thing. Uh, with regards to zagging in today's NFL, I think you've got to uh, address our deficiencies on the offensive end, and I don't believe in trying to win in a different way. I think that you can win that way, but I think that it... Um, it's scary. You know, it, I'll, I'll put yes, it that way. It's, it's scary. Yes, exactly. I think, and I think it fails over time. You know, you got to understand... Um, you you got a 17-game season now. You'll eventually have an 18-game season. Um, you're going to go into a single elimination tournament. Yeah. You have to go with, you know, what's really working. And the idea that you're going to zag uh, through 17 games plus a single elimination tournament at the end of it, um, I don't consider that a good bet. I think it's very interesting to think about, and I'm not discounting it. I'm not being a jerk about it. I just... I don't think that's where I'd put my chips. And I think, too, you have to remember, even if you're the staunchest Mayfield supporter, he's not guaranteed a year after 2022. So if things go sideways, it's still nice to have some talent here, right? Like, if you justify, like, uh, for example, if you justify, again, I'm talking super hypothetical, well, we got to do it this way with Mayfield. And then you make the big decision of saying, well, maybe someone's out there who wants to come to Cleveland. You really never know. Like, I don't know, Russell Wilson ends up getting out there or somebody. And he, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just making up. If a difference-making quarterback is out there, he's like, man, Cleveland really did never invest in getting any better skill position players. Or like if Tampa Bay never never figured out wide receiver. Like Tom yeah, Brady no went kid. to Tampa, and I'm not saying Tom Brady's going to be available, although he could get the – I got some MJ no, – I got example, some though. MJ Wizard vibes from Tom Brady early on in this retirement. I'm just going to put that out there. But, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's just if something happens and, and, and Tom Brady hits free agency when he hits free agency, it's because they have like, oh, they have Godwin. Oh, they have – O.J. Howard at the time, who was still a very highly thought of young tight end, like, oh, they have Chris Godwin and all these other elements I can bring. It's like, that's why, you know, so you do need to figure out that position independent of the quarterback at the same time. So, um, dude, we're we wanted to go quick and we're 50 something minutes in here. So nonetheless, (laughs) these are my favorite show, man. Ton of stuff we talked about this week. If you guys ever want us, John and I, to hit a topic. Uh, that you think is either A, interesting, B, goofy, or whatever for these Fridays. I talk about the Browns every minute of every podcast all week, so getting these different shows on Fridays with some different topics is a blast for me. It's my favorite favorite uh, time spent on the pod, uh, just to get a fresh look at everything in the league and different teams in the division and and uh, more 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 big big picture life stuff, too. It's, uh, it's a blast for me, John. I know everyone's loving it. And again, if you want... I'm not trying to morph this into like a life advice uh, that that Ryan Rosillo does that I absolutely love. I'm I'm definitely not a human being out here giving life advice. But if there's like a, hey, what's your guys' take on, um, 
uh, you know, flip flops versus sandals or some stupid <laughs> shit like that. that like, cargo you'd be shorts. interested. Yeah, yeah, ca- cargo <laughs> shorts, cargo shorts, something like that. Let me know. We're more than happy to talk about that because we're looking. Like you and I text twenty minutes before the show talking about ideas for for talking points. We just kind of figure it out on the fly and the conversation goes. So John, you're the man, dude, as always appreciate you so much. Yeah. always have a great time on these. Have a good one, Jay. That's a, that's a wrap for today's show. Uh, thanks to John for joining and spending 45 to 50 minutes actually turned into an hour with our pre-show conversation. And, uh, so thanks to him for doing that. Thanks to you guys for checking out this, uh, week of coverage at the OBR. I've been stepping in for Stephen Thomas who took his own horror trip to Disney with his family this week uh you know so i've been covering the daily mock draft that's uh last two days and i'll be posting tomorrow's and then monday as well so check that out if you're into mock draft coverage and otherwise i'm going to have a write-up on o-line i'm going to try to cover rodney um rodney jesus uh james hudson and and then as uh, try to cover as well nick harris uh, where i think those young players are going uh, with the browns so check that out over the weekend perhaps sunday i'll drop that for vip subscribers so keep your eye out for that we have two great guests over the weekend kyle murphy who is our resident twitch o-line guru kyle's uh, arizona state playing career played with jake Plummer on those dynamic teams in the late 90s he is uh Gracious with his time all year and and gave his end-of-year thoughts on the Browns' O-line and, and kind of the future of the group, too. S- surprising take on the future of a couple guys as well, so you should listen to that over the weekend. And then, like I referenced earlier, we had Jake Lisko from uh, Locked on Bengals that I'll play probably Sunday for you guys that you have something to listen to kind of wrapping up the Bengals' season and looking at big picture because they are the team to beat now in the AFC North. So this was fun. Great episode. Thanks for joining us. Have a fantastic, uh, have, have a fantastic Friday. Be well, be safe and go Browns. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.